This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. I'm in Minnesota. Where are you? We're in Northern California, um, kind of towards Sacramento area. Awesome. Yeah, we are in Minnesota and expecting snow to come this coming week. We've oh already boy. had some, but we love winter. I'm super stoked about it. <laughs> Yeah, we love parts of winter. We <laughs> definitely are not fans of shoveling snow ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We used to live uh, up in the mountains um, until about two months ago, but we would get dustings of snow, but not, um, you know, it would not stay more than a few hours kind of thing. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't brutal. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So you decided to leave the mountains why is why is that? Oh boy, um, long interesting story. But we we moved up there um, about six years ago to kind of get out of the rat race, uh, be closer to nature, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We lived on the top of a mountain. It was pretty spectacular. But we have aging parents, and we have uh, six kids, and we were realizing that we were a bit too far away. And recently, uh, both of our fathers got extremely ill. Her father passed away from cancer. Mine got throat and tongue cancer. And um, we quickly realized that uh, we, we both have families, but we're, we're the only sane ones in our families. And so the reliant on us was quite heavy to get involved and help. So we just needed to be closer. So we made a hard decision, but we tried to we tried to look at others over ourselves and say what's better for everybody. And it was better for us to get closer. So 
Right, right. Absolutely. Sometimes that's family definitely needs to come first in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit gut-wrenching because uh, we lived right on top of a mountain with a blueberry farm and we grew our own uh, organic garden for our, you know, pretty much everything we eat and it was pretty sweet. So <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. It yeah. Sounds like a dream come true for sure. <laughs> it was neat. It was neat. Yeah. Uh, I, I written a, wrote a book called Signals and seven years ago, um, I got a really big signal, which was interesting in the sense that I went to the doctor and Dr. Jeff, who I've been going to for 20 plus years said, Hey, your blood pressure's up. And he said, next time you come in, we're going to be putting you on meds if your pressure is not down. And I said, Jeff, it's impossible. I, I, I work out all the time. I'm a huge racquetball player. I'm really on it physically. And he said, man, you're just getting old. And it was a, a moment that sometimes you don't realize why you stop and question things. But I got in my car and I called Rose and I said, you know, we're doing something wrong because I just got this diagnosis and it makes no sense with what we're doing. Well, it's really funny. And I'm on one hand, I'm really embarrassed to say what I'm about ready to say. And on the other hand, I'm really excited to say it because, you know, I, I went to college uh, as an electronic engineering student, really analytical guy, spent my career designing computers and software and never once did I stop and think about my body as an electrical system, as an energy system. I thought about cars, computers, everything else, but I never stopped and thought about the machine. And all of a sudden, I had this lightning bolt of, oh my God, what have I been doing? So we literally lined our entire walls of our living room and started researching every input to our bodies. And we tore it down from one of my favorite subjects in school was thermodynamics. And I don't, are you familiar with? Oh, thermo? not at all. I have no idea. <laughs> so thermo is this, the, it's, it's the energy in the universe all follows basic thermodynamic principles or laws. And the number one law of thermo is that the net energy in the universe is, oh, is constant. It just constantly is changing from one form to another. And then the second law of thermo is every time you convert energy from one form to another, you have something called entropy or disorder. And so if you think about it, sun shines down, grows tree. We cut tree, burn tree. Each one of those transitions of energy causes something that's called entropy or disorder. And the more disorder we cause, eventually entropy takes over and disorder wins. So if you look in the universe over and over again, if there's too much disorder, then massive disorder happens. Right. So like, what would you say were some of the biggest disorders happening in your body at that time. And you yeah, said this so, was seven years ago? Yeah. So what what I what we broke it down to was started checking every input. And one of these one of the disorders was not enough nature. You know, we weren't getting the right amount of sunlight to generate vitamin D. We weren't grounding ourselves outside to get the earth's negative field into the you know into the positive field of the body 
we weren't around water enough to get us the the positive vibrations that we need that come out of each of these inputs. Were you living in the mountains at this time? No, no, we were living down in the city. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, that was one of the big realizations. Another one was food. So we looked at all of our food choices and realized that we never expected to become fully vegan plant-based people. But as I started researching every input, um, I realized that, hey, why am I eating a cow when a cow eats grass all day long? I'm after the protein, but it's not the protein, it's the amino acids. And the amino acids actually come from the plant. So all I'm eating is a post-processor uh, of what I really need, which is amino acids. And so it's really goofy, but it started to make a lot of sense to us. And so we just kept looking at the inputs. Light is another one where if you're around fluorescent lighting or um, incandescent uh, LED lighting, um, if you're around LEDs and fluorescent, you're not getting the right part of the spectrum because they designed that part of the spectrum out and so you need real light. You need incandescent or sunlight. Absolutely. Every time I'm like in this office at my computer, I have the window open. I have like one little lamp on, as you can see behind me, but that's all. Like that bright light that shines down from the ceiling gives me like headaches sometimes. And it's just yeah. like beaming in your eyes. Yeah. Well, it's the wrong, it's the wrong frequency of all things. They actually designed it with the wrong frequencies. So what you're, what's happening is you're not getting the part of the light spectrum that you actually need to generate ATP in your cells to actually then generate the energy you need for your whole system. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, I call it uh, a lot of things, but in a, in a way it's kind of the quest uh, to question and getting that mindset where you're, you're wanting to look at every signal every signal. And, and they're goofy things like, you know, my wife, uh, Rose and I were drawn to different things, but similar, meaning my draw is always to the ocean. Like I, if we get near the ocean, the vibration and the energy from that is insane for me. It's great for her, but her vibration is the trees. Like she gets around plants you know, she feels them like she, you know, she'll put her hand next to a plant and play with the energy and really interact with it. Um, and, and so it's when you when you question that, you find something really amazing. At the ocean, the oxygen is most pure because you're at elevation zero. And so you're actually getting almost 21 percent oxygen. As soon as you go up in elevation, you start getting less and less oxygen. And for some reason, I feel better down at the, the ocean level oxygen. She feels better, you know, up in a bit of elevation. Sure. And it's like when some people go up on mountains, they like don't feel good at all. Right. Right. It's all oxygen related because what's happening is all oxygen is 21%. But as you go up in elevation, the pressure is different. So you're actually getting less of it. So like at 7,000 feet, you're only getting like you're getting like 27% less oxygen and at 14,000 feet, you're getting 45% less. 
that's why you feel so different because oxygen runs your whole machine. Right. Absolutely. And when you start narrowing down the oxygen, what's actually happening is your body becomes more acidic and you don't want that because that's when a lot of bad stuff happens in your cellular structure. So anyway, it's, um, I've got that scientific kind of brain. And so I, I, I tend to really dive into the analytics of it. And, and Rose has um, been a really high performance athlete in her adventure. And she was first female firefighter in a local fire department and really physical person. Um, but the, the combination of us has made us a crazy duo where we just like dissect everything. And um, the more we did it, the more we've been shocked at how wrong we were doing it. So would you say you were like up until seven years ago, you weren't necessarily living this healthy lifestyle <laughs> and looking at any of this, you weren't questioning anything. You hadn't had your, I read you had this cauliflower moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hadn't had it. You know, I had, I had, I had been very, um, I guess I, you know, ultimately too selfish. I'd been so self-focused, so focused on material gains, so focused on kind of what the normal, you know, world forces us to that I hadn't really stopped to say, am I doing any of this right or wrong? I was just doing it. And then when I became much more purposeful, the the whole thing has just shifted. I mean, we're we're now to the point where, you know, we do um, we've done full panel blood testing, and I don't know if you've ever even seen a full panel blood test, but no. But I was just hearing about how this is so beneficial, especially during COVID. Yeah, it blows your mind because you get like four pages of documentation of every every chemical every everything that's in your body and it tells you what your parameters are what it says about your machine and and all of this and when we first started we were testing our age we were testing mid 50s now we test mid 20s so we've shifted the entire dynamic of our bio you know mechanical machine and, you know, we feel amazing. I, I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. We have full energy all day long. We don't get sleepy. We're, we're on it physically. We, we blow away everybody that we know only because we've deeply questioned a lot of it. And a lot of it is nature. When you drive it all back, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, oh, God, just lost his name. Uh Oh, yeah. Victor Schauberger. Have you ever heard of him? I haven't, no. Oh, my God. You got to look him up. With your guys' nature background, Schauberger was in the late 1800s, like 1885, but he was a third-generation nature outdoor forestry guy, but he was incredibly uh, inquisitive. And so Schauberger um, invented all sorts of things because of just watching nature. So he was the guy that invented a lot of the logging flumes to move wood because he watched the dynamics of water and he realized, oh my God, I can use this to transport stuff. But Schauberger um, really 
had a massive impact on me and the power and the intricacies of nature. He's done a lot on the way we um, condition water today. When you buy these purifying systems and stuff, a lot of it's based on Schauberger because he realized if you vortexed if you spin water, that it actually purifies it. And so, but he did that by watching rivers and watching the vortexes in the stream. And you know how fish like hang out in vortex? Sure, sure. The fish yeah. realized that there was way less energy to, to expend if they if they swam and where it vortexed. And Schauberger took that and said, oh my gosh, wait a minute, we can use these same principles to do all sorts of things. And so he's one of the most really interesting guys uh, back in history, so. Right, and that sounds like very much aligned with like, with what you're doing with signals and like questioning everything and really diving deep into it and analyzing basically like everything that surrounds you. So, I mean, have you used that? It sounds like from what, what I've read about you that you've really used that in your leadership abilities and to change the way other people think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I use it uh, in business. I use it in personal. I use it, you know, everywhere. Uh, even even crazy examples like, um, you know, again, something I'm not proud to say that I used to be, but I used to be a really, really not a good driver, like driving fast, you know, going 80 miles an hour, trying to get where I was going faster, weaving in and out of traffic, pissing off people, I'm sure. And when we started down this path, I did a really interesting experiment. I drove the 35 minute commute to the office doing it my 80 mile an hour way. And then I drove it, I drove 15 days that way and I drove 15 days going the speed limit, never changing lanes. You know what my maximum differential was? My maximum differential was three minutes, three minutes. And I'm like, I'm going through all of this stress, chaos. I can only imagine how like the blood pressure levels were different, how you felt emotionally and physically, like, all of people, people's reactions, like we have so much control over our reactions. And if you just take a step back to truly realize that you do have control of that, you can change so much about your life. But I yeah. think the problem is so many people don't take that time to step back and realize we have control and we can question everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for some reason, we we get more caught up in the, you know, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, that social media mindset where you're looking at what other people are doing and comparing and, and trying to, to follow them instead of saying, no, no, I need to question and, like, follow the natural laws versus what I'm seeing others doing. And I, I think it's a really important distinction for all of us because the more we've questioned and looked at the natural laws, the more we've been shocked at what's really there for us to learn. And even to the extent, if you saw the library we have in our house, we have, I don't even know, my Rose is constantly getting mad at me because we go to garage sales and thrift stores looking for old books. And I've, I've got hundreds and hundreds of books of, of just really cool and interesting old 
all the way back to the 1600s, all the way back to the Roman Empire. Really amazing when you look at the patterns and you look at what was being said by Hippocrates, or you look at even further back, and it's it's amazing. They were on it. They knew back then it was nature, but we somehow have lost a lot of that. Right, right. I mean, so, so many years ago, I was talking in another podcast with someone about this, about how like so many years ago, people were connected to nature, nature and the earth was all people had, they didn't have all of the materialism around them. And at this point in our lives, people are so caught up in that. So I mean, I know, like for us going out on a path in nature and just hiking for even 15 minutes, when I'm like, staring at a screen all day or something like 15 minutes can do so much good for your mind. Yeah, it really can. We, we go out often, you know, we're outside every day. We, we, it's funny, but we, we took up a new sport because we uh, both had done a lot of stuff physically separate. So I was a big time racquetball player Rose was a triathlete and other. And was that pre this whole healthy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we decided to say, let's re-architect things. We love, you know, we love doing stuff together. And, you know, the world kind of preaches this do stuff separate thing, you know, like men need to have their man cave and women need to have their women's groups and all this kind of stuff. And we were like, you know, Actually, we like being together. Let's 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 do more together. Let's forget all this separate junk. And so we took up tennis of all things because we saw a lot of people being able to play tennis into their 80s and into their 90s in many cases. And so we we go out three or four times a week and play tennis, and then we go hiking um, around a, a local lake um, a few times a week. And we take it as a big journey. We look for bugs, we touch leaves, we hug trees, we, you know, we do all sorts of crazy stuff, but we go experience it and really have fun with it. Right, right. And I'm sure you come back after those hikes and just feel like so rejuvenated and so refreshed and just like a new mindset. Oh, a hundred percent. And Some of it's from the nature, you know, we had an experience two weeks ago that blew us away. We were walking and out of nowhere, we see a kid that um, had gone to high school with one of the sons and this kid was, you know, he was a six foot three, got a scholarship to Stanford as a quarterback. And then he blew it all. He got deeply lost in drugs and the whole works, right? We hadn't seen this kid. And he was with a uh, severely uh, autistic guy. And, you know, Rose was like, is that Brandon? And so then we went over and it was shocking. Brandon Aura, he, he's found his path. And so he was like, this is my life. I, I have two special needs that I work with. And I'm, I'm getting my credentials and I'm going to be a special needs teacher He's turned into the gentlest, kindest, wonderful human. We spent an hour with him and his special needs um, friend, Jake. And we haven't stopped talking about two weeks later, Rose and I are like, that was the most coolest experience. You know, Jake held Rose's hand for an hour while we walked around the lake. We wound up 
more impacted by that random, you know, thing. So it's, it's, it's weird what happens to you when you get out, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So like for people who don't know how to look for these signals or don't know how to open their mind to the world around them, what kind of um, tips do you give people? What kind of motivation do you have for people? You know, my motivation and tips are around just simple questions. Um, You know, like, what do I know about this? You know, like the reason why I said cauliflower moment is because I literally hated cauliflower, like hated it. My mom cooked it when I was a kid and it stunk the whole house up. It was soggy. I I had to choke it down. I would gag, you know, it was horrible. And, And then when we started to really dissect what we were putting into our machines, I researched cauliflower, found out, you know, number one brain food, amazing nutrients. So I was like, okay, what more do I need to know about cauliflower? Simple question. Do I know, do I really know cauliflower? Actually, I don't. Well, what more do I need to know about it? And then experiment. And then, you know, have an epiphany is kind of what I tell people. I tell it the IEEE, but take in more information and then, you know, experiment, epiphany, you go down this path. But it's really simple questions. Cause like, think about something in your life where you just assume something like lighting, you go, God, this lighting in this office kind of gives me a headache, but you never stop and say, I wonder if that light's good for me. And then you go, well, Oh, it's an led. Let me research led. And then you research led and you go, LEDs are bad for me. And then you go, wait a minute. They designed it without the spectrum that I need to power my ATP what were these people thinking, you know, and then it leads you down this really amazing path. Right, right. And I mean, I think so many of us just kind of stay stagnant in our life and in what we're doing. So to have this mindset is a really powerful thing. And it can really open up so many opportunities to life. And I mean, especially in entrepreneurship, like you've experienced and how has this affected you said you had six kids? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, because you said this changed seven years ago. So, like, up until then, were you guys just kind of, were your kids just kind of eating whatever they wanted? Uh, When you guys changed this, were you, like, making all of your kids do this? You know, the, the, the journey has been an interesting one because as we started to wake up, our natural desire was, you know, to tell everybody about it. But then you quickly realize that um, belief change is probably the single hardest thing. And I'm shocked at hard it is to get people to change a belief. Like when you look at what's happened in history and you look at how big certain things had to be to get people to change a belief, you realize that belief change is really difficult. And I don't know even to this day why Rose and I, it was so easy for us. Something happened in there and we both kind of marvel at it that, you know, I was a lifelong carnivore. I was the biggest, most proudest guy of the tri-tip I used to cook and the way we used to prepare our meals. And, um, but I literally overnight, once I dove in and questioned it, we cold turkeyed, um, the first thing we cut out was gluten, glyphosate, and sugar 
we cold turkey those and we've never, never, ever cheated. We've never gone back. It was just instant. And so we tried to get people to see that, but getting belief change, it, kids, family, friends, whoever, not easy. Um, what we found has been the most powerful is people watching us and seeing us over a period of time is changing people like our parents. They see us and they go, what happened to you guys? Your skin is 10 to 15 years younger. You guys have energy like people we've never seen before. You guys are out playing three hours of tennis, super physical. And most people don't do that. And you guys go hiking and you blast up one of the toughest hikes in Yosemite and you power it in, in a couple of hours and you're lapping everybody on the mountain. We've, we've noticed that that's been the biggest impact to change is people just watching us. And now everybody's kind of, our parents are changing, kids are changing, friends are changing. It's really interesting. Yeah. And that's so powerful because you guys said you're in your entering your mid fifties. Late. I'm, I'm 58. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that you changed this at when you were about 50 is, is proof that anyone can take that and take control of their lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in business and in life, what I really kind of always sum it up as we don't do a good job of setting our problem statement. Meaning if your problem, like when we started on this journey, we set a problem statement that said, uh, I want to live to 110 full health, full brain function, full vitality. With that, with that problem statement, you then start working backwards and say, what do I need to do to make that problem statement, you know, come true? And what, what you find in life is people set really crappy problem statements. Like the problem statement might be, um, you know, I, I know I'm going to die at 80. And so I just want to live the way I want to live. I don't care. Okay. Then you're going to make all sorts of choices and you're going to, you know, eat, think, do whatever you want to do, but your problem statements defining your, your actions. So I really try to help people define a better problem statement. You know, like I don't want to get sleepy at 2 PM anymore. Okay. What's, you know, let's, you know, now start to question what could cause that? What did you eat in the morning? what did you eat at lunch? Did you get your vitamin D? Did you get, did you get out in the sun at the sunrise to get your your retina, what it needs to power your whole machine and, and reset your dopamine. And, you know, there's all sorts of cool stuff, but uh, really setting that problem definition is, is vital. Right. And I think so many people just like need that little push from another person in order to really question these statements or make these problem statements. Cause like, especially like when we go out hiking, like I want to go 10 miles, but sometimes I like need my husband to push me and help me reach that goal. Cause right. sometimes I'm just like, I can't go on. <laughs> I'm exhausted, but just having another person can really help you. And it sounds like you and your wife are like really powerful with one another to help reach those goals. Yeah. You know, it is um, really fortunate to have, you know, a, a partner in it, you know, whoever it could be for you, you know, whether it's a, a friend or whatever it is, I think it definitely helps, you know, to get a tribe or a group that can support you um, definitely is, is, is vital. I think in, in the journey, especially as you start to question some of these tougher things, because 
there's so much misinformation out there and there's so much conflicting information. Like you go search on, you know, meat and a lot of the studies are actually funded by the dairy industry. So a lot of the information is skewed to be confusing. And so, you know, having people to bounce that off of and to work with, to, to sort through the information is really, really important. And, and it's big. I mean, all of this stuff, there's, there's a lot to question inside of it. Right. And with the whole signal thing, is naming these signals something you came up with? Or is that more so everything you've read about, like from many years ago? I, I definitely took the knowledge of my electrical engineering background because signals in, in electronics, you know, you're dealing with signals, but I definitely correlated it to the signals that are coming into all of us that we're just not paying attention to. And, and you know, I'm going to go back to the light example, but I definitely find that that example of you saying, gosh, whenever I sit in the office, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I feel the strain or I don't feel right. That's a signal, but we tend to blow it off. You know, we tend to think even to the level of, oh, I, I you know, my whole family's got cancer. I'm going to get cancer. I'm, I'm predestined to it. Well, there's a lot of proof that that's actually not true, but you got to think that, oh, if I have um, disorders showing up in my machine, it's from entropy. It's from converting the wrong kinds of energy to the disorder that you're having. So it's really that, no, look at the signal. If your body is saying my blood pressure is up, that's a signal. What are you doing input? When we looked at my blood pressure, we looked at inflammation because that's the number one cause. Shocking revelations came out of that, which was the number one causes of inflammation were gluten, glyphosate, and sugar. So gluten, well, you hear a lot about being gluten-free, but why is gluten bad? You know, like what happened to it? And then you look at it and you go, well, in the, in the late 70s, in the 70s, they genetically modified it. Well, then you look and say, well, the genetically modified strain of gluten, what's wrong with that? And then you find out that our bodies really aren't set up to process it. And then you find out that by processing it, you create all this inflammation and disorder. And you start to really core into, wow, you know, this is really interesting. Right. And now like the labels gluten-free are on like everything when you go look in the store these days. Right. Right. Yeah. It's pretty fun. You know, it, it Questioning really makes the journey amazing and nature and, you know, like when you go guys go on your hikes and you, and you really go experience the wonder of the energy that, that nature gives off and you really dive deeper into even that and you say, Hey, you know, if you do a Google search on how are the trees all connected, then you find out, Oh my God, the root systems all interact. And then you find out that the energy they're all connected energetically. They're all interacting. And then you go, oh, now wonder why I feel good when we're bathing in the forest. And yeah, it's just really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And like, it's those things that sometimes we can take for granted if we don't step back and, and think about it. Yeah. So what can people like expect from your, your book, Signals? it's really just a process of trying to help people start their questioning journey. And when I wrote it, I really was trying to 
look at it from both personal and work. So there's so many things in the workplace that people don't question. One example that I take people through is when the last company was scaling, I started asking people, you know, have you really been taught how to interview people? What do you know about it? What, what has been your teaching behind it? You find out that no, no one's ever taught me anything. And then you break down the process and you say, wow, we're actually giving people in our company a really bad experience when they come in to interview us for us because everybody's got their own idea. Everybody's got their own strategy, but we're not being consistent and we're really not giving off A, the energy of our company and B, really finding the right fits of people that fit us and we fit them. And so questioning the processes inside of the corporation and really everything, like what food are you bringing into the cafeteria for people to consume? And are you bringing in food that really powers everybody? What lights do you have inside of the facility? On and on it goes, but there's a lot of fun stuff around that in the book. And then there's some on the personal journey and some on the food journey and just sets of questioning. I like that because it's so much about like company culture. If you are working in a positive company culture, like you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to keep coming back. So, and it shows that first impressions can do a lot. And I'm thinking about this, like when we bring people out hiking, like we've brought in a handful of friends out on their first hike. And if you bring someone out on their first hike and they have a really crappy time, you need to question why are they having a really crappy time? Right. Are you making them do five miles when maybe just one mile is where you need to start them at? Yeah, it's really, it's really true. And you can even question that further because you know, we found even with just the two of us, again, my natural migration is if you put me on a hike that's like along a stream and we're climbing up and down the shoreline and we're, you know, just around that vibe for an hour or two, I'm insanely energized. You take me up a mountain where I'm just climbing through trees up a hill. It's exciting, but it's not nearly as powerful for me as a stream hike is, where for Rose, a mountain hike is you know more powerful, but she loves the stream hike too. But there's differences. And some people, they think a hike is, you know, just just take me next to a, a small waterfall and let me let me vibe with that. I'm gonna say I was on a hike. They only want, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and then park me next to a stream and get me in nature, that could be their their idea of a hike. Right, right, exactly. It's like that misconception that hiking has to be this giant mountain, right. but, but it doesn't need to be at all. Because yeah, like I would say my husband, he wants to go like up giant mountains and that's his thing. Whereas like, I'm good doing like maybe a couple miles up a mountain and then I'm great going by that stream or something and just having like a more peaceful, almost stroll through the woods. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, when you think of signals, your soul is here for the journey it's here for. And his soul is here for the journey it's here for. And so you got to kind of honor, you know, the signals that you're getting and say, you know, both of your souls have different, you know, journeys they're here for. And how do you, how do you do, you know, how do you, you know, how do you help both? And that's kind of what we've learned along the way too, is we do, we do some of both. Yeah. So where are some of your guys' favorite places to go hiking out there in California? 
Oh man, there is a place um, up Highway Four, and there's a series of hikes. But there's one really special place. It's called Alpine Lake, and if you if you look Alpine Lake up on the internet, you'll see this idyllic, amazing mountain lake. It's it's at about seven thousand feet of elevation, but it is you can hike around the whole lake. It's spectacular. You know, we've gone in July and um, on the back side of the lake, we were in four foot of snow still. And on the front side of the lake, we were in shorts and, and you know, sunny attire. Uh, but it's it's got a really varied, you know, landscape around it. But it is, uh, there's something about Alpine Lake that is just magic. Oh, that's awesome. And do you guys like try to go out on a, on a hike almost every weekend? Are you backpackers at all or just day hikers? We're pretty much day hikes. Um, you know, I think we, uh, we go out multiple times a week in various, you know, hiking. Uh, there's a local lake that we can walk around and it's got woods on one side and then it's got more open on the other side and it's right alongside of a pretty big river. Um, so we actually do that one during the week. And then on weekends, we tend to do a bigger, you know, bigger experience. Yeah. And weaving it in during the week, I think is so beneficial too, because like I've gotten just so caught up in the rat race of the work week, but just going out for a hike in the middle of the week can do so much for you. It's amazing. Oh yeah, it does. We, you know, there's like, both of us, we, we get a little bit of resistance of, ah, you know, I'm kind of, uh, and then we go and then you come back and you're like, oh my God, how, how, how did we even think that we didn't want to do that? So. I know, I know it's amazing, but until you can like push yourself to get in that mindset, you're just stuck in, in the grind. Yeah. Yeah. We just, um, there's another place we're heading in a, in a couple of weeks that's over on the coast and, you know, from, I don't know how much you've been in Northern California or if you've been, but from San Francisco, Marin, all the way north to a place called Fort Bragg, the coastline along there is rugged, but beautiful. And there's beaches and tremendous hikes. And is it something like you would compare to Big Sur? Yes. Very, very similar. There's uh, called the Mirror Woods uh, in, in Marin that's on the coastal side. And there's just massive trees and beautiful hikes. Yeah, I think you mentioned you were there in the email that you sent me this weekend too. You said that you were hiking there. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, we're, we're going to spend a couple of days uh, over on the coast. And uh, a lot of our time is going to be hiking and then beach walks. So it's, uh, you know, we, we tend to weave the two in. <laughs> Right. Are you guys campers at all? Um, we have, but at this stage, we haven't been doing much camping. Um, we we have a boat that we you know can sleep on, and we kind of take that and, and use that as our as our as our sleeping. Uh, but we we haven't been doing much camping. You sleep on this boat, so is it like a? It's not a yacht. No, no, it's a smaller <laughs> one. It just has sleep uh, has like a front cuddy cabin. Um, you know, one form or another, we're we're in nature a lot uh, between water and mountains, and you'll you'll you know with us, it's 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 that realization that we kind of need both. 
Right, right, for sure. Do any of your six kids ever go with you guys on these adventures? Oh yeah, no, they all they all have their various uh, parts of it that they like. Um, but they're also, you know, younger and, and super busy in their lives. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of, um, their time is uh, pretty, pretty frantic. Uh, so they're, they're in the phase we kind of remember, but we're, we're, we're kind of, uh, prioritizing, uh, more, more peaceful pursuits. Right, right, for sure. They're probably more like my age. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. They're in their thirties. <laughs> 20s 30s yeah they're all in their 20s and pursuing careers and doing all those kinds of things so you know we wished we would have you know figured this out a lot sooner uh in life but you know is what it is right right now you have the rest of your life and you people are telling you that you look like you're 20 or 30 so (laughs) right yeah no it's um that part of it's fun you know that part of it's uh, been a great pursuit Yeah. I had someone on the podcast way earlier this year. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her, Pilar Gerasimo. She wrote the book, The Healthy Deviant. Mm, Um, The name does sound familiar. I didn't listen to that one on your podcast, but I will go back. Yeah. I think you would really align with a lot of what she, what she says. And she just, you know, to be a healthy deviant, you have to be someone who kind of questions the norms of our society and the norms is eating unhealthy and the norms is just being stuck in the rat race but you can deviate from the norm of everyday living yeah oh neat i'm definitely gonna check her out it sounds like on a super similar uh wavelength yeah yeah she's great and she um started the magazine experience life magazine which is put out by lifetime fitness if you're familiar oh, wait, with that's that why magazine. i know her we we actually get that magazine yes yes she is she founded that magazine Wow. So uh, yeah. And then she went on to make her create her own healthy deviant thing, but she's, she's great. She's definitely everything that we're, that we're talking about. Oh, that's, that's neat. I, I'm going to look her up. I'd love to get connected with her as well. It's, um, you know, it, it's amazing. Like we start our morning every morning with a, a chocolate hemp shake creation that that's our, our, the pa- what powers us to lunchtime. And, what goes into it? Oh, it's a, a whole bunch of components. I can send you it, but you know, we, we actually, um, we've actually created a, a blend out of it that we're bringing to market through one of the companies that, that we're involved in, but it's got, um, you can make it with dates. It's got the, the hemp seeds. It's got a little bit of vanilla. It's got um, some pea protein in it. It's got, um, uh, this antioxidant uh, pack. It's got some mushroom blend to it and a few other things, uh, but it's it's your full nutrient solution. But the day we started drinking it, and it, it, it's a funny story about that. Um, we, we, in the mountains, we happened to run into a, a local grower who grows alternative uh, things to consume. And <laughs> He was drinking this drink and we're like, what are you drinking? And he goes, oh, I, I drink this hemp shake every morning. And we're like, wow, hemp shake, really? So we we came back and we did a little research and we created a blend out of it. And we felt this immediate difference. Like our brain was better. Our energy was insane. And we've been drinking that now for five plus years every day. And this gets you through lunch? 
Yeah, yeah, it's our our total total energy and power pack. Um, uh, sometimes I have a protein bar kind of mid morning. It depends on what we've been up to, but um, it's it's amazing. You know, when you look up hemp and you look up some of the what it does for your body and your machine, it's just such a such a powerhouse. Um, so that that uh, subtle things like that are just really amazing on what it does for your energy. Yeah. Yeah. I've never gotten super into hemp, but I know like there's a lot of great research out there about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a nutrient powerhouse and it's got, you know, the amino acids you need, but it's also got so many other subtle uh, dynamics to it that it's a wonderful thing to put into your body. And you said now you're going to be putting this on the market with one of your businesses. How many different businesses are you guys operating? Yeah, I'm involved with three uh, right now. And the um, that one's called Live and Breathe Solutions. It's a superfood kind of company that we've been slowly, you know, building up. And we're, we're kind of reframing several of the products and we're, we're building this line, um, the superfood products will be coming out in January. So. Oh, cool. So, I mean, people will be able to, to get it then. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of our, our daily, our daily shake. Um, another reason for it is um, sick parents um, that are fighting cancer really uh, woke all of us up and it's been shocking the, the crap that they've been given from hospitals and, and the system and so we've actually been using these blends to help the parents and it's been pretty cool. It's really helped them and they've been able to not consume some of the not so good stuff that's been referred to them by the doctors and it's had a really big impact. Um, my dad had severe uh, throat and tongue cancer, so he actually lost half his tongue and had the entire bottom of his mouth removed, just horrific. Um, but we got him drinking the shake and he's, um, he's doing really well. It's really fun. He hasn't totally fought cancer yet though. Right. I mean, are you onto something? I, I know, you know, <laughs> are you I mean, curing he's gone, cancer? <laughs> he's gone through the normal treatments, but it's given him his strength back, uh, and, and his vitality as he's been, you know, coming back from the chemo and the other things that he had to go through. Um, I certainly think there is a lot of information out there about some of the alternative ways that you can attack. Um, when you, when you do the research on some of this, um, it really all gets down to oxygen in your body. And if you don't get enough oxygen, what happens is, is your body turns acidic. And if you look at what happens to your cells, cancer thrives in an acidic environment. So you want to oxygenate your body as well as you can, because as soon as you let that oxygen go down, the acidic environment takes over and then cancer thrives. So two pieces of it is one, you want to have the right minerals to transport the oxygen around. So iron and magnesium and some of these others, there's four that are really critical. And then you want to put in as much great oxygen as you can into your machine. So that way you keep everything in an environment that, that cancer just can't thrive. So 
there's there's a lot around that and again my kooky brain i've done a lot of research i'm i'm certainly not a doctor but i've i've studied it deeply and i understand it pretty well right right and i mean there's so many alternatives like you're saying other than what like our regular health system is giving us there's so many alternatives that people can be getting and can question but so many people are just sticking with those whatever the the health system is giving us yeah we're another fun tip trick i like to tell people is vitamin c you know it's um it's much maligned uh in a lot of ways Um, you know nobody can make a lot of money off vitamin c but linus pauling won a won a pulitzer prize for his research on it uh there's a reason why um if you look at what vitamin C does for you, vitamin C actually creates hydrogen peroxide when it converts. And hydrogen peroxide is a tremendous weapon against uh, bad, bad bacteria. So when you look at the actual way it functions in your system, it all makes a lot of sense. But we started a protocol using uh, liposomal vitamin C. This was probably five years ago based on Pauling's research and the Reardon Clinic, which I have no relationship to, and a couple of other books that we studied. But we started taking 12,000 milligrams of uh, liposomal vitamin C every day. Well, no, 12,000 milligrams, but we take it in liposomal form. And that's like got a three to to one ratio. So we take less of the liposomal because it actually delivers it more effectively. But what's blown us away is Rose is a kindergarten teacher and... Oh, that's awesome. I'm a teacher too. Ah, we used to get sick every three months. Like, you know, the pollution that runs through 30 little five-year-olds is is high. Lots of green noses, lots of all sorts of junk. So we were getting sick all of the time. And we started doing uh, liposomal C and we haven't been sick ever. And... There's protocols with with Pauling where it's take your 12,000, but if you're going to be in a high environment where you're, you're going to be exposed to a lot, take more. So like if we're going to go on a, a train or a plane, we take 20,000 uh, before we go on the plane because you know your, your, your good and bad cell thing is going to be severely impacted. Um, it, there's a lot of data around it if you dig, uh, but it's had a huge impact on our well-being. Man, I should look into that because so I'm on my maternity leave right now. Um, we do, we had a baby. He's two months old, but I'm going to be going back into the classroom starting in January. So I should look into that stuff to really help me as because I worry about going back into a classroom with the world and the COVID stuff that we're living in right yeah. now. Yeah, you want to be um, I'm happy I can shoot you some info on it. Uh, no problem. Uh, there's there's a lot around seed that you got to be real careful with because a lot of it is off of genetically modified crops or all sorts of stuff. But there's a couple of people that produce some really high quality seed liposomally made. And it's really what you want to go after. Right. Yeah. Because there are so many of those just like mass produced vitamins and whatnot out there. And yeah, yeah, got to be yeah, real so careful. I can drop you an email with that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, and then just going back to the whole like um, medical field and stuff, this also got me thinking about, I watched a documentary the other night about 
um, formula, baby formula, and how oh, that wow. is just such a oh. money maker yeah. and how so many people give up on breastfeeding and just go to formula and just like all of the research behind it and how that company, just like the pharmaceutical companies and doctors are just like, they're very into the the money and the the masses. Yeah, there is, uh, that's a, that's a huge one. And it's really important. It's awesome that you're questioning it. Right. And now they're saying, I don't know if you've seen the research, but breast milk can, has some antibodies that's fighting COVID. Yeah. Well, when you, when you look at that and you go, there's a, there's a reason why breast milk (laughs) was designed to nurture these human bodies that we create. Right it makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of stuff that we just don't understand about it. And on the flip side, it also makes a lot of sense, you know, like as we, the very last thing that I gave up food wise was cheese. Oh, that'd be hard. Biggest cheeseaholic you've ever imagined. I would go through a big block of Gouda every week and just loved it, but deeply questioned it. And you find out that they, that cheese has case of morphine in it. Well, what's, what's morphine? right? It's triggering sensors in your brain that make you addicted to it. That's why it's so hard for us to give it up. I think that's what goes in potato chips too. Yeah. And then even worse, when you think of what it's made from, it's made from the milk of a baby cow. Well, the milk of a baby cow is created to do what? It's created to raise a 1000 pound animal. It's created to raise a massive cow. It's got stuff in it that we don't need as humans. It's got stuff that we're not supposed to have. And if you think about who actually came up with this idea to crawl under a cow and steal the milk from that, that's meant to raise this multi-thousand pound animal, what are we doing? You know, it's like really interesting, but there's stuff in that that we don't need and we shouldn't be consuming. And so just like there's stuff in breast milk that your baby absolutely needs. Right, right, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy when you start to think about all this stuff and what we're putting into our bodies. Yeah, I didn't mean to ruin cheese for you either. It's not, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's it's what it's a choice everybody gets to make. Uh, you know, I call it choiceability. You know, it's a beautiful thing about being a human is we all have choiceability on what we choose to to do or not do. So yeah, I had some vegans on this podcast a while back. They're called Veggie Vagabonds, but they eat, they tried vegan cheese one time after they gave up regular cheese and vegan cheese did not cut it for them. <laughs> yeah, they've made some headway there. We just recently had some that was really good. Um, and it's getting, it's getting, you know, it's like, it's getting closer. But the weird thing that, that we noticed in all of this transition was, we've lost our cravings for almost all of it. You know, once you break that habit, it was like sugar about six weeks. Um, all of a sudden I started experiencing broccoli in a way that I never imagined broccoli would taste. And I was like going looking at Rose. I'm like, is bro- does this taste different to you? And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. It tastes way better than it used to. And we started to realize that the sugar had so masked a lot of our sensors in our tongue and in the way our body experienced food that all of a sudden we started tasting things so much different. And so now 
we we really taste things and really enjoy different things than we used to but it, it was pretty fun so what would you say is like your your treat that you guys kind of treat yourself to is there something like i mean to replace ice cream or a chocolate bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we have healthier versions you know we have really healthy chocolate actually one of the companies we're in that's one of the things we we bring to market is some healthy chocolate we um we treat our things with we make a insane vegan cheesecake that's out of cashews that you would never know is not the real thing we we have kind of hacked recipes to recreate the things that we you know used to love to be you know near and dear but some of the things are like these superfood shakes, this chocolate shake I drink, you know, I often joke with people that I never imagined I'd get to drink a chocolate milkshake every morning. You know what I mean? It's like, it's awesome. And I experience a chocolate milkshake every morning now and I love it. And so some of it's been fun swap outs. Right. And like, was getting to this point, I mean, when you first started it, was it challenging to get to this point of where you're at i mean you didn't just like do this all oh, in no. a day this was a multi-year journey yeah um, yeah the the funnest part was we had two big things happen one is we gave up uh, gluten glyphosate and sugar and six weeks i lost 30 pounds and my blood pressure dropped 40 points aside and we were both like what the heck was that? What, what just happened? How is that even possible? I wasn't fat, but I had a layer, you know, I just had a, I had a layer. And so that was a big like signal of, wait a minute, there's way more going on here than we even realized. Then we went um, and we kept going, we kept questioning inputs and we kept swapping things out. And then I can't remember exactly, but maybe at about a year, we did a second blood test and we both tested to, our internal age tested to be 28. And we were like, how did that happen? We were testing mid fifties. Now we're testing mid twenties. This is crazy. And so we had some things that propelled us to push us. Then our energy started being insane. I started sleeping seven hours perfect, no snoring, not waking up, you know, in the middle of the night anymore. All sorts of signals were coming in that were just like these subtle things where you're like, wait a minute, what, when did that start? You know, what, what's going on here? You know, and then we, we went to, we hadn't seen, um, I think it was Rose's mom in a while. And we went over there and, you know, she's coming up, touching our faces going, what have you guys done? Your skin is different. You look 10 years younger. You're, something has shifted with you too. And lots of stuff, weird things, but lots of things over time that kept propelling us. That's so awesome. So motivating. Yeah, it's been a cool journey. Um, we've learned a lot, learned a lot. So if people wanted to learn more about you, get in touch with you, check out your book, where can people find you? Yeah, it's just uh, signalssecret.com. And books on there, the, the couple of companies that we're involved in are on there. And um, I look at it as if I can help one person or help millions, uh, I'm in. You know, I just, I just want to help 
people question and and learn that there's way more to this uh, than we all realize. And so any way I can do it, I'm I'm really trying to help and serve others and just want to, you know, be a be a light uh, that's uh, a little bit different. You know, you meet me and you're like, what was that all about? You know, it's like, who is that guy? And, you know, it's uh, I know that I'm way out there in a lot of a lot of ways, but I just love the pursuit of uh, the questioning. So it's been a it's been a compelling journey. Sure. And like as scientific as and like analytical as you've been throughout this conversation, like it's still like empowering me so much. Like I'm not an analytical scientific person, but like it's you're still so empowering and like motivating me to just like continue on my own healthy journey. Yeah. Well, cool. It's um, it's one that's, you know, I, I, I've really focused on trying to only speak the truth. Uh, over this progression and it's really easy to embellish things to try to convince people to to do what you're doing you know come on you know I know this is good it's kind of like a hike oh this 10 mile hike is going to be awesome for you you know but, right but it's like no no actually I, I want to like a hundred meter hike and then I want to park by this river right. you know it's it's kind of like um just trying to really be truthful and so I only try to speak from what's really happened and and that's why I think it's probably, you know, you're feeling that the compellingness is this is real for me. And it's really been the real journey and it's really been the real outcomes we've experienced. And the, the whole the whole thing has been such an eye opener. And we are still I'll give you a really funny one. We just questioned. But um, have you ever heard of the term uh, Shangri-La? Yes. So there's hotel chain named Shangri-La. Yes. So it's funny, right? You, you hear that word and you might not question it. Well, I questioned it. I was like, uh, you know, where did that, where did Shangri-La come from? So I went and Googled it and up comes this movie from 1937 called Lost Horizons. And you go, 1937, wow. Okay, let's watch the movie. We watched the movie. They were so on it back in the 1930s. It's about how culture has gotten lost in materialism, how you need to find your Shangri-La, the place that you go to, to find happiness. They had founded this mythical place in the Himalayas at you know 15,000 feet of elevation called Shangri-La, where the people lived in harmony, they grew their own food. And you're like, this was almost a hundred years ago <laughs> that this was on it. So, I find that by questioning it, it constantly leads us on these journeys that I would have never watched this movie. I would have never known about Lost Horizons. Really fun. Really, really yeah. fun. That reminds me of at, in yoga, a lot of the time in classes at the end of the class, you say namaste. Right. But um, I ran into a yoga teacher who didn't say that once and she doesn't do it because it's more of like a, it's a very deep religious meaning for the, the people and a lot of the time like namaste is now written on so many materialistic things and a lot of people don't necessarily know that there's actually a really deep meaning behind it yeah such so a great one i've actually we do yoga i've never gone and looked that word up so it's really cool 
you know, you you propelled me. That's going to be my thing. I go and question, you know, t- t- today. But Right. Because, yeah, like I asked my teacher at the end of the class, like, why didn't you say namaste like most teachers do? <laughs> yeah. But it, it, if you can get that mindset, it sparks you onto these journeys that it's just like this consonant realization of, wow, there's so much to this that I'm not paying attention to. So, you know, ultimately, uh, that's my goal is to, to, to continue to help people. And I know that, you know, each of us can relate to a different group of people. And, you know, I've got a group of people that I know I can relate to, you know, maybe it's the the business executives who might not listen to anybody other than somebody that was like them, or it might be, you know, parents uh, or people in their fifties who have aging parents that are getting sick and it's blowing their minds watching those people suffer or, you know, on and on it goes, but we each have a group that we can relate to. And that's kind of what's motivated me to push out more with the story is really, I know that I'm supposed to get this out there um, from my lens. Right. And the more that you share your story, I think the more you're going to motivate and energize so many more people in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So really fun. And I really appreciate, you know, I loved when I read your guys's uh, podcast and your mission with it. That's why I reached out to you was, wow, you know, they're, they're on it. They're, 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 questioning they're they're pushing to nature they're doing a lot of these these things and uh, just felt like there would be good good synergy yeah 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 absolutely it's yeah definitely like hiking through life like the name behind hiking through life just means like we go out hiking and we use hiking as just like a way to kind of keep ourselves balanced in this world and just like re-energize us like we've been talking about so much in this conversation and it's just it's in our lifestyle it's just ingrained in us now yeah no it's really cool well keep questioning and uh, have some cauliflower moments as I as I term it where take a belief you know it's like if you sit down with with your husband and you say okay what is something we really believe like we really believe XYZ shoe is better for us. Well, have you ever really investigated it? Did you go and really question, you know, what what was that shoe made out of? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know, but you can really have fun with it where you take a belief, like maybe your belief is cheese. You know, maybe take it because you believe that you need to eat cheese or that cheese is good for you. Go study it, dive into it and question it and see where it leads you. And see if it causes you to change a belief or not. Um, Because in those, we have some really core beliefs that we all operate by. And a lot of them, we never really set them intentionally. They got set by parents or by school or by groups that you wanted to be a part of or however they they, they got set. But we don't question a certain level of them. And those are the ones you really need to like have that cauliflower moment where you wait, you stop and intentionally say that belief I'm going to go poke into. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, this conversation has been so, so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. Oh yeah, no, I love it. And uh, look forward to staying connected and I'll shoot you some of that uh, vitamin C info.
We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.